How are you guys doing this morning? And did everyone have a good Christmas? Did everyone have a good Christmas? Who's ready for 2021, huh? Yes. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? It has been quite a year. So Pastor Bruce finished his three-week study on the unseen world of angels last Sunday. And today we are returning back to our message series, Hope in Suffering. We've been going through the book of First Peter. And uh, in every message in this series, we've been emphasizing Romans 15, 13. And this is where the Apostle Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse is the theme of this entire series right here. You want to have hope in the midst of your suffering? Look to God. Because he is our source of hope. And no matter what happens in our lives, God is our source. He is our source of hope. And when we trust him, we will have confidence. And it's not just a little confidence. It's not just even enough confidence to just meet the demand of whatever it is you're going through. No, the word here says that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to overflow? Yeah, I do. You betcha. Now, if you're here today and you need hope, I just want to remind you that God is your source of hope. So trust in him. Now, in the last message in this series, Pastor Bruce, he talked to us about why God allows storms to come into our lives. He said storms, they humble us and they get us into the habit of looking to God. God's promises are always greater than than our problems. At times, you may feel like no one understands your problems or no one cares about your problems, but Jesus does. I love how Pastor Bruce said this. No matter what your problem is, Jesus can not only feel it, but he can fix it. That's the God we serve. Now, if you missed that message or any of our messages in, over the last few weeks, I would encourage you to go online and watch them. If you're not the watching type and you just want to listen to them, we've got a podcast on iTunes that you can listen to it on any mobile device you have. Okay, I'm done with the info commercial. (laughs) But I just want to remind you that sermons are available online. They're available through iTunes, wherever. Make sure you catch those. Today, I'm going to build off of the last message on storms, and I'm going to talk to you about dead ends. A dead end is when you come to a place where there is no more hope. There is no amount of human effort that can help, and there is seemingly no way out. Now, we might think of that as a dead end, but with God, there really is no dead ends. And that's the title of today's message, Dead End. How many of you have ever felt like you're at a dead end, where there is no hope, where your back's against the wall, where there is no way out, there's no way of escape? Everyone ever been there? Yeah. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, it could be coming. It could be coming. But I just want you to know that you're in good company because even the great apostle Paul has been there. And we can see this in Second Corinthians. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. You see, Paul came to a place where it was far beyond his ability to endure, far beyond his strength, 
far beyond his ability to fix, far beyond his ability to escape. Now, this phrase, despaired even of life, it gives us insight into just how bad the situation was. Whatever he and his brethren faced, it was well beyond any kind of human help. Now, the Greek word here for despaired, it literally means no passage, no exit. In other words, they had come to a place where there was a dead end. And this is the point where you and I, we feel like screaming out, why, Lord? Why is this happening to me? And then Paul answers these questions in the very next verse. Watch what he says. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And there's the key, that we would not look to ourselves, but to God. Sometimes God allows us to come to a dead end, or he leads us to a dead end, just so we will turn to him. Because it's at this precise moment, when there is no one else to help, when there is nothing that you can do to fix your situation, when you finally stop relying upon yourself, right? And you look to him that he will answer. It's our desperation that leads to our dependence on him. Now, if you've got your hand out, that's your very first blank there. Dependence. It's our desperation that leads to our dependence on him. Have you lost your job? Have you lost your home? Have you lost your spouse? Have you just found out that you have a terminal disease? Have you lost all hope? Or are you in a place where no one else can help you but God? That's when it feels like we're at a dead end. And God operates best in dead ends. That's where the real miracles occur. The real question is, how much do you trust him? It's when you reach a dead end that you truly find out. Let's pray. God, we invite you here. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just fill us with your spirit, that you'd open our eyes, that you'd open our ears to hear directly from you. May there be no distractions that get into the way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So last service, I had to sit here and preach through this light, blinking at me like crazy. All these different colors, it was something. I'm going to tell you. But listen, I believe God's got a word for you today. And no matter what happens in this service, if all these lights go out, if I lose the mic, Keep listening to what God is going to say to you in your heart. Don't be distracted. Right? It doesn't matter what the enemy throws our way because we're looking to the Lord. All right, so what I need you to do now is turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been going through 1 Peter verse by verse, and we're going to pick up in verses 13 and 14 today. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We've got it up here on the screen for you. The Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter, he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Peter uses the word therefore here to connect us back to what he's already said in the previous 12 verses. Now, unfortunately, I don't have time to go into great detail of what those other 12 verses were, but we've covered them in our prior messages in this series. So I'm just going to do a quick summary of what those verses are. In verse 1, God says, or Peter says, God has chosen you. If you're a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you are chosen. 
Verse 3, by his mercy, you have been born again to a living hope by believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 4, God is keeping an inheritance for you, pure and undefiled. How many of you are looking forward to that inheritance? Man, I can't wait. Maybe 2021 will be that year. You never know. Verse 5, God is protecting you through your faith so you won't lose that inheritance. Praise God for his protection, right? Verses 6 and 7, God is refining your faith through trials so that your faith is genuine. No amens on that one, huh? (laughs) I don't like that one either because trials hurt. They can be painful. But listen, they're necessary. Verse 8, you love him even though you've never seen him. Verses 10 through 12, even the angels are amazed at the gift of salvation that you'll one day receive. You see, angels don't get to be born again to a living hope. Only you and I as humans get that. So they're eagerly looking on. In verse 12, you'll see that. They're eagerly looking on and are amazed. And it's because of all these things that Peter now says in verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind? Now, we don't talk like that today. It's not like I say, hey, David, gird up the loins of your mind, man. We don't speak like that today. No, I would just say, I would say, hey, man, you need to prepare your mind for action. Or you need to get your thoughts together so that you can think clearly. But this idea of girding up, it comes from an ancient practice where they used to wear these long flowing robes and they would pull their robes up and they would tie them around their, their waist. That way they could move about freely and not trip over their robes. Peter is using this as a metaphor to apply to our thinking. Gather up your thoughts. Don't get tripped up. As one commentator put it, we are to pull our thoughts together. We're not to let anything hinder our mind as we look, make it to work for God. In other words, we're to have a disciplined mind. And listen, when we're at a dead end, our thoughts can rage with fear and worry and doubt. And it can do that to the point where we're just paralyzed to do anything. We stress and we try so hard to find a way out. We become desperate to fix our situation. And then Peter says, be sober. For those of you who have indulged in drunkenness, I hope that was before you came to know Jesus. But if you've indulged in drunkenness, you know what that does to you. You know that your judgment begets impaired. You know your mind just starts wandering around. And if you're not careful, you'll be lulled into all kinds of things that you'd later regret. Peter is saying, be sober, be alert, be ready. In other words, we're to have self-control. We're to make good moral decisions. And we're not to be intoxicated by all the allure and all the distractions of the world. And let me tell you, there are a lot of distractions in the world today, isn't there? You can easily get tripped up if you're not careful. So Peter is saying, be sober, be alert. Get your thoughts together so that you can think clearly. Now, I don't want you to dismiss this and think that I'm just talking about being sober in the terms of physical right, where you're not drinking alcohol, you're not getting drunk. Peter here is talking about being sober, period. That means physically and mentally. And this is so important. If you're not sober, you are an easy target for the enemy. Did you know that? You are an easy target. Peter uses this same word uh, sober later in the book of 1 Peter. Because he says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. 
Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. So don't be careless in your thinking. Stay alert. Now, if I could boil all this down, all that I've just talked about, if I could boil it all down to one word that Peter is trying to convey here, that word would be focus. Focus. Now, I know that because I look at the very next thing that Peter says in verse 13. He says to rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what we're to focus on right there. And here's what's cool about that verse. It says, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you. All right. So if you're a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus, that is to be brought to you. This isn't something that might happen. This isn't something that you have to earn to get to get in there. It's only by his grace, right? Through our faith that we get that. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you. So in other words, we're to put all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our trust in what God has already promised you. Focus on that. And so here's the principle from all that. Focus on his promises, not your problems. Focus on his promises, not your problems. Now, I'm going to illustrate this by what happened to the Israelites in the book of Exodus. We're going to look at this story in Exodus to illustrate here. And we're first going to look at the promise. Now, the Israelites, they had been living as slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. And God tells Moses to tell the Israelites this in Exodus chapter 6. Here's what God says. He says, Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give you to it as a heritage. I am the Lord. Pretty strong promise, huh? Now I want you to look at this again. Look how many times the Lord says, I will. He says, I will, seven times. Seven times is significant. Seven is the number of God. If you look in the Bible, you'll see seven all throughout the Bible. That number seven, it represents completeness, fullness, holy. We said holy was set apart. It means perfection. That's the kind of promise that the Lord is making to the Israelites. Now, if that's not enough, God bookends this. He puts, I am the Lord at the beginning and I am the Lord at the end. It's like a promise sandwich, right? You've got I am the Lord as buns and you've got I will in the middle as meat. I mean, come on, y'all. That's a promise right there. Now watch what happens. How do you think the Israelites are going to respond? Here we go. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. Why? Because they'd become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. The Israelites were so consumed by their problem that they refused to listen. Their problem had overshadowed God's promise. And so what does God do now? He leads them to a dead end. Sometimes that's exactly what he has to do with us. Because it's the only way to get our attention. Or sometimes it's not your attention that he's after. It's someone else's attention that he's after. And he's using your situation to reach that someone else. The Israelites' dead end is one of the greatest stories in all of the Bible. 
After 430 years of slavery under the Egyptians, God leads his people out of Egypt. And he purposely doesn't take them on the most direct route. If you've ever read through Exodus and you've ever read about the Israelites, you'll see that they didn't take the most direct route to the promised land. Oh, my Lord, they went all over the place and they had detour after detour. Your life ever felt like that? You're like, wait a minute, if I'd have just went from here to there, it would have been so much easier. And yet you went here and you went there and then you maybe went way over here. And some of those detours were, frankly, your own choices that you made, right? Sometimes God leads you on a detour on purpose. And so he did this with the Israelites. He took them on a number of detours. And there were plenty of them along the way. But each one of those detours served a purpose. And on one such detour... The Lord leads the Israelites to the Red Sea. And it's here where it appears to be a dead end. Now, why would God allow his people, after he's finally rescued them, right? After 430 years of slavery, why would he allow them to come to a dead end? That's what I was asking. God tells Moses why in Exodus 14.3. He says, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. So now what you have is you've got the Israelites where they've got mountains on one side. They've got mountains on the other side. And they have the Red Sea to their front. And then they have the Pharaoh and the Egyptian army getting ready to come down from behind. So here's what you got. They're trapped. There is no way out. There's no, in, no amount of human help that could help them. And as Pharaoh and his army, they drew near. The Israelites panicked. And then they cried out to the Lord. You know, we should always cry out to the Lord when we're going through tough times. Sometimes that's like the last thing that we do. We try to exhaust all, our, all of our options first, and then we cry out to the Lord. Well, this is the one time I would look to the Israelites and go, you guys got it right. You cried out to the Lord, very first thing. Right? That's pretty awesome. Now, it's easy to look back at the Israelites and go, you guys are knuckleheads. I've done that. I've read through the Old Testament. I'm like, what in the world? Why are they doing that? Why are they worshiping that golden calf? I don't understand. But you know what? You and I are just like them. If you really peel it back and you look at this, we're just like them because we go astray from the Lord sometimes. We do stupid stuff like they do. And so here's the deal. As soon as they finished crying out to the Lord, what did they do next? They turned to Moses and they started to complain. They didn't wait on the Lord. They certainly didn't cry out long enough. They just started to complain. Watch this. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us, slave, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in wilderness. Doesn't this sound just like how we react when we're facing a dead end? We'll say stuff like, why, Lord? I knew this was going to happen. Then we look to cast blame, don't we? We want to blame others. We want to blame our circumstances. And then we'll go through this whole series of what ifs. Well, what if I had done this? What if I'd have done that? What if I'd have made this decision? Then I wouldn't be at this dead end. What if, what if, what if, what if? And it just keeps going. 
But the dead end is precisely where God wanted them to be. God knows exactly what he's doing. The Israelites didn't know that, but they were right in the middle of God's will, even though they were at a dead end. God led them there on purpose. Our problems can often blind us from the reality of God's presence. Did you know that? For the Israelites, the Lord God was with them. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Can you imagine seeing the Lord God manifested that way? Physically in front of your eyes. Day and night, they had the Lord God with them. And yet they saw their problem instead of his presence. Those pillars the Israelites saw, those were a picture of God's faithfulness. And let that be a lesson for you and I. God is always with us. His word says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. David says it like this in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Woo, that's good. Anyone else want to get excited about that? The Lord God will never leave you. Come on. He is always with us, even when we feel like we've reached a dead end. So if we are to focus on his promises and not our problems, we must always remember his presence. This is why the Israelites started panicking and complaining, because they didn't remember God's presence, even though he was right there with them. Their problem blinded them to the reality of God's presence. Listen to what Moses tells them next. Moses says, do not be afraid. In other words, fear not. You know how interesting, uh, this is a little rabbit hole. Interesting, there's like 365 references to fear not or something similar to that. Did you know that's like one fear not for every day in the year? I thought that was pretty cool. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and he and you shall hold your peace. Stand still and see. This reminds me of Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. It sometimes can be so difficult to be still, can it? It's like I'm antsy. I want to solve my problem. I want to go here. I want to go there. It's hard to be still, isn't it? Like the Israelites, we panic when we hit a dead end. And we frantically run around looking for a way out. God is saying, stand still. Yet we keep working, we keep striving, we keep stressing. Listen to me, when you stop working, He starts working. When you lay it down, He picks it up. When you go to sleep, He continues to work. We see this in the book of Second Kings, where at night everyone was sleeping. And the city of Jerusalem was about to be attacked by the Assyrian army. And God says, sends the angel of the Lord. And He kills 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Isn't that crazy? One angel, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers while they were sleeping. Because while everyone was sleeping, God was working. He was fighting for his people. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. Be still. Now in verse 14, Moses reminds the people that the Lord himself will fight for them. And he also says something very interesting and very important here. 
Look down there, verse 14. He says, hold your peace. Hold your peace. Now, remember the words of the Apostle Peter that I said in the very beginning, gird up the loins of your mind, where you prepare your mind for action, where you're thinking clearly, you're gathering up your thoughts, focus, be sober, think clearly. Listen, you can't think clearly when you're busy whining and complaining, can you? So when you're at a dead end, we need to stand still and see, and we need to just be quiet. Another way of saying hold your peace is shut up. Isn't it? Yes. Why is this important? Because when you're at a dead end, all hope seems lost. There is nowhere to turn. Your back is against the wall. There is nowhere to go. There is no help that you can give yourself, and there's no help that anyone can give you. The only one who can give you any help is the Lord God himself. It's obvious. Only he can help you. So stand still, hold your peace, and watch what the Lord will do. That's what the Israelites did. And what did God do? So the Lord sends this strong wind, right, to part the Red Sea. Can you imagine being there? You're looking out at the Red Sea, you're looking at the mountains, you're looking at the Egyptians coming behind you, and there's no way out. And what does God do? He makes a way. Because He's the way maker, isn't He? When there is no way, God makes a way. We may think it's impossible, but the impossible is always possible with God. When there is no way, God makes a way. You may see no way out. You may see a dead end. But our God sees a new beginning. Now, in another story, God told Abraham, I will bless you and make you the father of many nations. But the problem was that Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. Now, the word barren there is often associated with a desert where there is no water, where there is no life. It's just death. Sarah's womb was dead. She could not have any children, and yet she was way past the age of becoming pregnant. So how could Abraham become the father of many nations? There's the promise. His wife was barren. Her ability to have children was a dead end. And yet we know from the word that God turned the impossible into the possible, right? When he fulfilled that promise through Sarah, through the birth of Isaac. And she was over 90 years old when that happened. You know, I think sometimes our problem when we get to a dead end is we don't want to wait on the Lord, do we? How many of you like waiting? I don't like waiting. You kidding me? I hate waiting. But the Lord does that on purpose. We've got to wait on him. She was over 90 years old when this happened. Good night. When we see a dead end, when we see there is no hope, the God of hope can make a way. Because with him, there really are no dead ends. You see, God can do immeasurably more than we might ever ask or think. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Listen, I didn't just pull that out of the air. That wasn't just something that sounds good that goes on a Hallmark card. Watch this. It comes from Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we, could, we might ask or think. So I ask you again, do you really believe this? Amen. Amen. Because that will change your life. It will change your life if you believe that. I could give you story after story. I could give you promise after promise to continue to prove to you 
that there are no dead ends with God. That he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything that we might ever ask or think. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he refused to worship any other God but his God. It was a dead end, literally. And yet God rescued him. He shut the mouth of those lions and God was glorified in doing it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were three teenage boys. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace because they refused to worship a 90-foot-tall statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was another dead end, literally. And yet God rescued them, and God was glorified in doing it. I could keep going. So listen to me. Every human being who has ever lived was destined to eternal death apart from God. Every human being that's alive right now was destined to an eternal death apart from God. Why? Because every human being is full of sin. And sin separates. Sin deceives. And sin is a dead end. We serve a holy God. And our sinfulness cannot coexist with His holiness. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, that's everyone. And the wages of sin is death. That's where sin leads. It's to eternal death. But here's the good news. We were all headed to a dead end. Literally. We were all in need of rescue. And yet God in his goodness, in his amazing graciousness, he made a way. We were trapped and hemmed in all sides by our sinfulness. There was nothing that you and I could do about it. We were beyond any kind of human help. There was no way out. There was no escape. Our lives were a dead end. And then, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever, and that includes you, believes in him, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Woo! Isn't that good? You guys are quiet today. (laughs) God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. He was born to a virgin named Mary. It's what we just celebrated for Christmas. Jesus is God's gift to the world. He lived a sinless life. He was fully God, yet he was fully man. He gave his life as a sacrifice for you and me, paying the penalty that we could never repay for all our sins, past, present, and future. It was a debt nothing could ever repay. We cannot even grasp the depth of the love that God has for you and I. We can't. If you're here today and you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you you're on a dead end. You're on a dead end road. Because a life without Jesus is a life destined to eternal death in hell. I said it. There is a hell. There's a heaven. There's a hell. If you haven't made that decision to follow him, there's a place for you. It's a dead end. If you're here today and you need to have that personal relationship with Jesus, I'm pleading with you to stop trying to find purpose. Stop trying to find fulfillment apart from Him. Because without Him, there is no purpose. There is no fulfillment. And no matter how much you try to avoid a dead end, it's unavoidable without Him. If that's you, if that's you, you're not here by accident. You're not hearing these words for no reason. God is speaking directly to you. 
Why? Because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So may today be that day that you call on the name of Jesus. May today be the day that you finally accept him as your Lord and Savior. Because we all need the God of dead ends when there is no more human help. We all need the God who can rescue when there is no other rescue available. Have you ever wondered why you find yourself in circumstances beyond your control? Why you sometimes feel like you're at a dead end? It's in those times that God forces us to stand still and be quiet, right? So that we can see the salvation of the Lord. So that we can rely on Him and not ourselves. Because it's our desperation that leads to our dependence on Him. Now, for some of you, this year, 2020, may feel like a dead end. We've seen things happen this year unlike any time in our history. But God is still God. God is still Lord. He is sovereign. And we all need to look to Him because He is our source of hope. You may see no way out. You may see a dead end. But our God sees a new beginning. May 2021 be that new beginning. Let's pray. God, you are a mighty God. We praise you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that with you there are no dead ends. I pray, Jesus, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that today is that day that they'd make that decision. If that's you and you're in your seat and you feel like the Holy Spirit is tugging upon your heart and you want to make that decision to follow him for the rest of your life, today is that day. If that's you, slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Anyone want to make that decision to follow Jesus today? You say, yes, Lord, I'm tired of living for me. I want to live for you. Anyone else want to do that? Thank you. Anyone else? All right, so I'm going to pray with you, you that raised your hand. So say this prayer at your seat. Father, I realize that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. So I put my trust completely and fully in you. And I want you to come into my heart And be my Lord and be my Savior. Come in now. I give you my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. For those of you that are here and you feel like you've been at a dead end or you feel like you're heading to a dead end, I want to remind you that God is still God. And He can get you out of any situation. You just got to look to Him. So if that's you and you're struggling right now and you need prayer, you want me to pray for you, slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. If you just need encouragement to realize that I haven't been making him the source of my hope, I've put my hope in other things and I want to come back and I want to say, Lord, I want to move with you going forward. If that's you, slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I ask that you come into those that slip their hand up that you would bless them and encourage them, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would draw them from this day forward to always look to you, to trust in you no matter the circumstances, because you are the way maker. And we'll glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So if you'll stand to your feet, leaders, staff members, if you're here, come forward. If you need prayer and you'd like someone to pray for you, we'll have people up front that will do that. So if you'll stand and we'll sing our closing song.